the Yak Babies, Sex, Presidents, and Sometimes Books. Welcome to Yak Babies, a podcast on the internet sponsored by Old Man Crabber's Chili and Waffles, now with more bean. My name's Aaron, here with my personal pals Dave. We have Brick. Is that chili and waffles or Chilean waffles? It's chili and waffles. <laughs> so the idea was we have chicken and waffles. Why not put chili on it instead? And then mm-hmm. I decided that you would want to have more bean for some reason. And then I decided to make that the possession of Old Man Crabber. When I was a, <laughs> when I was a kid, there's the part in Jurassic Park where they talk about having Chilean sea bass. And I was always wondering why they were having Chilean sea bass. <laughs> Book title. <laughs> That was mostly from John Attenborough's delivery. So. Well, I know what we're having for dinner next time we have a yak <laughs> gathering. <laughs> chili and sea bass. <laughs> oh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can't. Fish chili sounds awful. It does. It sure does. Mm-hmm. Uh, fish stew, fish is, stew good, is good, but fish chili sounds pretty rough. Because it's got to be yeah. slow Maybe cooked. there is a fish we'll chili there. break the fish into nothing. <laughs> no, nope. Yeah, I don't, yeah I don't that's right. Fish soup. Let's try it. Fish chili coming up. You want to do a chowder? This whole thing yeah. fish, fish, chili, and p- pancakes next, next time. <laughs> uh, we also have joining us from Old Ireland. We have Old Irish Nico. Hello. Now let's keep going. Dude, keep okay. going. It's right, going to take longer to, to go back. Yeah, that's just a little treat for the listeners. If you like that, <laughs> no, the rest is homework. <laughs> that's the treat. Folks were talking about a phenomenon, I, I guess. Um, I think Nico and I had a shared experience, a parallel experience of reading reviews of this new book called Everything and Less, the novel in the age of Amazon by Mark McGurl. Nico read the review in the New Yorker. I read the one in the New York Times. And both of us had the thought of this speaker for the podcast. And so now we are talking about it on <laughs> said podcast. This book appear McGurl is a literary scholar I, I suppose he's really couple books about similar topics whether he's a scholar well yeah right he gets based on the review <laughs> yeah but i want to read the books for sure i mean i we should say we haven't read these books yet but we're talking about them anyway i want to read the one about mfa schools for sure mm-hmm. that seems like right up our alley yeah and it makes you wonder if mark McGurl should also be a fifth yak baby um and maybe if we're really good we can get him on the fucking podcast this would be a challenge to ourselves can we lure this guy into our den of iniquity and and give him the interview but we'll see so nico why why did this jump out to you as as matter for the podcast specifically what made you sort of sit up and think this is we should discuss this the review in the new yorker opens with a discussion of uh the the time in the 1890s uh in victorian publishing when books were still kind of an object for rich people, like a physical object for rich people mm-hmm. mostly. And there was a there was a huge publishing conglomerate that was basically the Netflix of books and would ship books out to people one at a time. And so that mm-hmm. conglomerate put pressure on the publishing industry to create the what they called the triple decker, which was the three volume works that were super long, heavily padded. Jane Eyre was one. Uh, and, and that was just, that was very interesting to me because you know, it was it's it's so similar to now, really. It's like even even without Amazon, you know, there's still like we've talked about trilogies a lot on the mm-hmm. podcast, and that kind of the 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 influences of the publishing world and the market of publishing on the art of writing is is interesting. I think. Yeah. What about you? Same thing. Uh, the idea is sort of like 
the forms, these things we sort, of, we sort of take as creative choices or, or think of them in those terms aren't always driven by the author's passion or interest, right? That's driven by what the market dictates and often is, I guess. And so I was, I, when I read the review, I thought about how I don't think ever really in a lit class in college, certainly, uh, or even grad school, really, do we talk about economic forces that shape the creation of these texts like it's almost always interpretation of themes which is obviously important but no one ever talked about the novel as like a response to a market concern and so yeah you know, i was like oh that's interesting how it is you know we talk about you know willingly and gleefully demonizing amazon you know with with no qualms that whatsoever but it's not like it's unique right this phenomenon has existed for a long time as long as there's been a market there's been demand and that shapes what you get so what it should be also was what seems to be, and this was maybe more prominent in the New Yorker review than in the New York Times one, was how McGurl investigates self-publishing on Amazon specifically and finds sort of like a like a pervert utopia there, I guess, <laughs> um, <laughs> and and seems to find sort of value in that. Which I mean, I think there is value in that, but there is it's interesting the way that that review frames his experiences of that investigation. Again, I want to read the book to see what he really says, but I definitely had the same observation of like, I'm not sure he's right about this. I'm not sure that all these novels about like different kinks or fetishes are much more than just like porn is very popular. Mm. I don't know. What, what were your thoughts on that? Well, there's the the whole bit about being paid by the page and how that's changing the, the form of things. And I think, I don't know. I think that's, I mean, that's likely the direction that yeah. stuff's going, you know, I mean, ev- everything is just content all the time. We know that, you know, and I, hmm. I hate it. I think, you know, we, we had how many episodes about fandom, but I, it, this is all part of this same, you know, I, I, again, I don't think I found the right words because it sounds like I'm talking about some kind of like metaverse thing, but there's a humans increasingly like exist in a reality outside of themselves. So we like our, like, like, like we're talking about Saunders with writing, like writing is inherently personal experience right and a personal expression and hmm. and to me reading is as well right where like reading yeah there's always a social component about reading that's what i i like about it but for me it is like my connections to the book and what what speaks hmm. to me is is very personal and i think large portions of the population are, are when it comes to reading specifically moving away from that experience and moving really towards this as a primarily a social experience right which is why these sort of never-ending stories exist right because just as important as reading the story is talking about what happened what's going to happen and why it happened right and it's all about like what's the lore like go on reddit you find people arguing about the lore of like fucking super mario brothers there is none they just made it up right because it was just like bounce the thing make the sound right and then we're applying these things retroactively and as things are being built forward that's a major part of it and yeah it's a commodity and i think that's the that's sort of the underlying kind of current and it was interesting here when he was talking about how like books have kind of always been at the cutting edge of commodification you know with like isbn numbers and and everything else you know and the first the first mass marketed anything was was books right once once the he didn't talk about that but you know, but I, I think this this idea of experience and this idea of again the social like world building IPification of everything is mm. is sort of at the heart of of all of this. I don't I don't like it at all. 
you know like i i want a book to be distinct from a tv show i want i want all those things and it, it, everything's moving away into just sort of ips right and then the self-publishers are just doing what they can to try and hit one or create one yeah i would say if not based on it then certainly there's a drive to to create some sort of franchise right or some something sort of like something big enough to sell Something yeah, something with with some some legs in different formats and different media. So it could be, you know, a novel that turns into a TV show or a film, or there's also a graphic novel adaptation of that, and there's a audible, you know, audio mystery version of it too. Like you can sort of get this sort of story, these characters in whatever form you want to, which does feel I don't know overwhelming. I think I agree with that, but also I wonder how much of my concern about this is is you know, some version of old fogeyism. Like, am I just too attached to my childhood going to the library and this is what books are. They're on the shelf in the library Mm -hmm. and now they're not. And they're, they're elsewhere. And that's, (laughs) that's changing things. (laughs) I don't know. Thoughts. I I, I don't, I mean, I, I think there's an element of that. That's, that's true. Right. But also if it's becoming something fundamentally different, like what is it? I don't really get the sense that it's going to become anything Uh, different. Cause I think, you know, the same way that it that it didn't that it kind of survived the era of the triple decker. I think it'll survive Amazon, uh, and I think there's enough people writing now that good books are still being written, even if there's more shit being written too. And I think it's easier. The Kindle stuff makes it easier to ignore a lot. You know, you can pretty much ignore any any book that's Kindle Direct published. <laughs> If you're looking for, you know, what what we would probably think of as a good book, yeah. And likewise, you could you could ignore anything you right. want if you really just want adult baby diaper yeah. stories. You can get those to, to the exclusion. Of yeah, I, I mean more like just in general, like books, TV, everything seems to be moving away from this idea of a beginning, middle, and an end. That's the part that I, I like. I can see a wave of new literary authors getting in on Substack, and like, I don't need to write a novel because I need to write a sort of segmented novella in three month intervals, and that'll pay the bills. So, fuck the book advance. Like, I can see talented writers going in that direction, and then think there's always going to be people writing books, like, obviously. But I think the dominant sort of mentality around what a book is has already started to change right i think it started to change with harry potter and twilight and that whole era in the early 2000s where like the books don't matter as much as the property and and it's still moving in that direction that doesn't mean it's going to completely devour everything and no one's going to write books anymore but the way people engage with with writing is is drastically different now than it was 10 years ago and even more so than it was 20 30 years ago and I don't think that's going to go backwards. That doesn't necessarily mean it's worse, though. I, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, that's, I guess that's the the tension here is like it might not be what you want, but it might not be a bad thing. I think of mm-hmm. the literary TikTok stuff or is Instagram. They're kind of the same. Too, which is like, yeah, right. There's like big blow up in people talking about novels on tiktok uh, and like doing like really what sounds like i haven't watched them but sounds like overwrought kind of like emotional reviews of these books i think um i think song of achilles was one of them that was mentioned in that article from a couple months ago and that this a young audience is finding these books and it's really responding to them in a way that's mediated by the social Mm -hmm. media platform but how different is that from 
being mediated by a reading list you get from your teacher in 10th grade, right? I mean, I read, discussed in the episode before, The Crime and Punishment in high school because it was given to me on a reading list by a teacher. How much different is that than watching TikTok and responding to a, a person in your own peer group crying because this right. book was so I, I do follow a fair number of uh, bookstagrammers, as they're called. Um, okay. And yeah, a lot of more. them do have not only micro genres that we that they read, but specific tropes that they read. So like there's a lot of uh, romance reading. A lot of it's erotic and a lot of it follows like one of a couple of tropes. There's like enemies to lovers is a popular one. And you can already okay. like imagine about a thousand different novels that, you know, they start off as enemies and they wind up lovers. And, and there's, there's all, yeah. so there's all kinds of stuff like that. And so, I mean, some of these people read 300 books a year. So, the, so I mean, I kind of think on the whole, it's, it's good for, for the entire publishing industry because mm. if that person reads 300 enemies to lovers romance books and then picks up, you know, one literary book, that's one more than the average person is going to read. I think just by, by, by well, that much true. effort being spent, spent in reading even if 99% of it is trash 99% books are trash so that's fine like you know there but these these 300 books are they come from these like free amazon self-publish yeah well it's not free but you can sign up for amazon like netflix and and then i think any of the kindle direct published but also like a bunch of relatively normal books are included in your kindle prime or whatever it's called mm. So it's like a subscription to to a library. Not that Amazon isn't evil. I'm just saying that, you know, there there is some good effects to, you know, a lot more books being read. People engaging with writing is a good thing, you know, I, I think, right? And, I, you know, as much as we talk about how things have sort of fundamentally changed, or, or I do, the truth is we also, just as a culture, spend more time reading words than mm. we ever have before you know, with, with technology. So uh, it, it's going to change and it's going to be different. And if people are finding, you know, if they're getting the same things out of that, that, uh, you know, we maybe did sitting on the floor of a library 25 years ago, then th that's, a, yeah. that's a good thing. Yeah. And I it's, think. there is a, there is a, like a sort of patriarchal thing though of like thinking that well people should be getting this this thing out of books they should be getting this thing out of literature that i think is important right and it's like you should have xyz emotions or whatever and it should come from these kinds of moves or techniques it's i mean i definitely feel it myself when i when i think about instagram poetry even right it's the same thing where it's like ah, that's all, mm -hmm. all bullshit and like people who are getting the kick off of this that I think is deficient or, or sort of less worthy is like, that sucks to me. But then like the, the voices be like, well, who am I to say what you should get the kick from? Like it's, if you're getting it from somewhere, that's good. And it's hard to argue that it should be one way uh, or no, it's not hard. It's easy, but it's not good to argue mm -hmm. it should be one way. But at the same time, it does sort of feel like, well, I do think that reading you know, I I guess like Huxley, whatever is better than reading whatever that woman Paulina Blanca, whatever the part that author's bio I sent you. Oh, Blanca, adult baby diapers. Blanca, Bull yeah, she wrote Blanca. this book called 365 Days, which was turned into a Netflix movie. It's about a woman who is kidnapped, and then she the like the mafia guy kidnaps her, and then is like, 
in a year I'll let you go if you don't fall in love with me and surprise surprise she falls in love with them and it's like uh there's a bunch of sex and whatever um sounds terrible I'd prefer someone to read Huxley than that but why and and right. why should I care right maybe if, particularly if they're gonna enjoy the other more than the Huxley like shouldn't you want that for the reader I guess exactly Ooh, I did not know that was um yeah the, yeah, the passage totally. in the review about you know how the author gets paid what was it by page like how much the person reads or Mm -hmm. scrolls through i think it reminds me of occasionally i'll get an email from someone who's put up something on it might be medium i think and they don't get paid unless somebody gets through to the end of the piece so they'll say i published this you know piece on whatever do me a favor and just like scroll through to the end it's like it's not about the writing itself it's not like i think you'll enjoy this piece just make sure you go through all the way to the end so that yeah, I get, get paid. Click. But like, you know, the writer, does the writer care whether the reader reads the content or not? Who are these people who are reaching out to you to ask this? Or make oh, this just request? friends who, have, you know, publish something. It's usually it's about a book. Okay, gotcha. It's not just like people who are cold calling you be like, hey, please read this Oh, no, it's not like thing. randos. It's, yeah. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's that, kind of crazy because I like yeah. how much can they possibly be getting paid for somebody to read to the end? Like a quarter of a cent or something so yeah exactly like make know. making that email plea that all yeah, their right. friends probably make some yeah, a dollar very much <laughs> optimistically yeah i think right. i i think also though that that thing where you get paid the more the more somebody reads your book that's not a hundred percent terrible because then at least you're thinking about like like how can i make some how can i make this interesting for somebody instead of just assuming that they're going to to read it which i feel like a lot of books do mm-hmm. sure or how do i remove the challenge and add the porn yeah that's a valid question how do you add the porn uh and let's talk about it slowly and and in deep voices <laughs> chuck tingle i did appreciate the mention of our old yeah, pal yeah dr chuck tingle dr chuck tingle yeah totally yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that's i think it's a good point brick and one that i don't know like it's if the audience wants it i guess it's not always bad it's just hard i think it's hard to reconcile those things and, and hard to think of you know coming off of our saunders episode being excited to write we talked about sort of reading that book and be like oh yeah i want to go write again and then reading yeah. this article it's like well do i there's also a, a we talked about this in the fandom one too which i don't was that even yak babies or did we do that i don't remember we did all this the fandom palooza we've done it in various various contexts over the years there's just an element mm-hmm. of it, it feels to me almost like it is predatory, right? It, there's it, there's something mm-hmm. sinister about this this shift, right? Where it is about capturing a market. It is about getting, I think, children hooked on. As as someone who is still obsessed with Mario Brothers, I can I can relate to how this goes, right? But getting children obsessed with the thing young, mm-hmm. and then being able to sell to them perpetually. Hmm. Right. And that's what what I, I think the self-published stuff's a, a little bit aside, but it's like a, symptoms of a greater kind of shift into, again, like we we, we largely we, we don't exist entirely within our, we never exist entirely within ourselves. But like the pictures you put of yourself on the Internet are just, if not more important than what you actually look like to a lot of children and a lot of people. Right. It's become that is the reality they live in. 
right? And like, man, I, I tell you, I've been running a school. I'm, I'm dealing with this all the time. Like, like it's getting. There's a lot of you know. I think ten years ago, we're like, oh yeah, like kids shouldn't have phones. Blah blah blah. Like, like they, their reality exists on those platforms. That that is what is real to them. Hmm. Right, that is where their social life exists. They can do and say things in the classroom that's like ha ha ha, but they can fix it at night, right? They can fix it online, and they're they're like who they are is increasingly existing in a digital space, hmm. right? And it, it's inevitable that art and culture are going to move that way too, as long as this is as long as you know the internet has become just inextricable from from human life at this point. So, but the something about this. Like it changing, like it, it's good that books are evolving and changing, I think. But if there's not more sort of criticism and acknowledgement of who's changing mm. it and why, because it is not random. This is not just the market. The market has decided like this is where things are going. There are people actively manipulating these things to have a certain effect to capture more things. We, we've seen this recently in the news with what, what Facebook's doing right. with 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 Instagram and uh, Amazon, there's no way they're not have a huge amount of money and time invested in making sure that these things work a, a specific way for a very long term goal. And that I think that is I don't know if that's beside the point of what we're talking to or not, but it it feels. Related. I think you're right that like there's collecting data on audiences or consumers is not new, but the amount of data available to be collected is new. I think right there's just so mm-hmm. much more. And can be so much more easily divvied up and sorted and processed or whatever. Which, yeah, makes the, makes the landscape change as a result. <laughs> it sounds like what you're saying, Brick, is we should be getting on the metaverse. That, yeah, maybe we should, be, should get involved in the metaverse and <laughs> take our podcast there. Can you imagine? It sounds like we should be aware of it. Is what, I guess, what it, I guess yeah. what it sounds like. I think we shouldn't just take things as they are all the time. And I think I don't. I don't like the way the winds are blowing. I guess yeah, that's, that's going to be the next big thing is the metaverse, right? And it's going to be, I mean, it's already here. It's just, it's not as big as it will be in like three years. But yeah, that's where it's definitely heading. The worst part about that for Nico is going to be how much he's going to have to grapple day in and day out with how much everyone points to Ready Player One as predicting the future. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's Ghost coming. Years. A new podcast. <laughs> it's the new Bible, Nico. Oh, God. Do you guys like Ready Player Two? Because <laughs> that exists. Is that, is that a real thing? Did you, yeah. Did you read it, Nico? Oh, that's funny. Yeah, no. I fuck no. I didn't think so. Did you read Armada, the follow up? <laughs> his, guy, his guy's other novel? Yeah, I think so. The se- yeah. His other novel, yeah. At some point. It sucked. But yeah, you didn't like it. Right. He's not good. Right. He's not fine. good. Mm-hmm. He was in some documentary about, oh, the one about, um, I think it was one about finding the old burial ground for the ET cartridges, the Atari ET game. He was in that and he like bought the DeLorean or something like that, or he drove it around and I was very just like obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Listeners, talk to us on the metaverse about what's going on with Amazon and your buying purchases or your, your buying habits. Uh, do you feel like you've been uh, sort of like kind of narrowly niched, uh, whether against your will or, or in your favor. Let us know on Twitter at Yakbabies. And of course, email us at yakbabiespodcast at gmail.com with those thoughts as well. And we are on Patreon. Patreon.com slash yakbabies has our bonus podcast for $1 a month. You can get access to all the fun and games, literal games happening there. There's Bro to Bros. There's uh, Emi games. There's all kinds of fun, including, oh, I didn't even mention this last time, a whole new 
podcast 101 ghost jokes rank internet sensation tearing it up out there we took 101 <laughs> ghost jokes and ranked them in order of hilarity and we almost died doing it uh, i'm not gonna that's not an exaggeration there was a there was multiple death threats um so go check that out for one dollar <laughs> a month on patreon well worth your time to listen to those and of course we have merch bitly.com slash jackbabies where you can get our t-shirts and mugs that brick has designed they're all very funny many of them are uh copyright uh infringing or flirting with it uh so you might have to act fast because sometimes you get taken down uh, before you can get them check that out too until then yak babies yakking off the yak babies would like to thank all their loyal listeners and especially their patrons both past and present including michael Bonnie, Sebastian, David, Roger, Kathleen, Bailey, Andrew, and William Howard Taft. Oh.